This episode of TGC Q&A's Christians in Healthcare series is sponsored by Remodel Health. Remodel Health is the health benefits software and consulting that helps employers save money and care better for their team. To learn how you can save an average of 35% on health benefits, visit remodelhealth.com TGC. You're listening to TGC Q&A, a podcast from the Gospel Coalition. And this is the Christians and Healthcare series, where we seek to answer questions at the intersection of faith and medicine. My name is Scott James, and I'm a pediatric physician specializing in infectious diseases. That means I get to help take care of kids who have infections or are being evaluated for them. And part of my job is treating kids as well as uh, helping families understand what's going on with the infectious pandemic that's going on around them right now. I also serve as an elder in our local church, the church at Brook Hills. One of the questions that uh, our listeners sent in is, what should I know about the effect of COVID-19 on children, and what is their ability to infect others in the community? That's a fantastic question. We've heard a lot about COVID-19 and and how it has affected adults primarily, how a majority of the infections, and particularly the severe infections, have been happening in the adult populations, and that's true. Uh, So, I I count that as a a grace that children uh, seem to be less affected by this infection, Uh, less affected in the sense that they are Uh, less likely to be infected in the first place, but also if they are infected, uh, they're uh, less at at risk of developing a severe illness or severe disease. Now, with that said, I do want to be very clear, however, that children can be infected. And while a majority of children who are infected end up having a mild illness and and end up recovering uh, completely, children can get very sick from it as well. So uh, I I don't want uh, the fact that children are relatively less at risk than adults to translate into anyone's mind that children are therefore not at risk and are therefore not needing to participate in any of the community precautions that that are going around. Children in one sense actually might be an important reservoir for the infection within the community because as children have milder disease, oftentimes even asymptomatic disease, they still are capable of shedding the virus. And so what you might have is a a well-appearing child or a child with a runny nose and cough who's still going to baseball practice, still, you know, taking, going to the grocery store with mom, still taking part in some of the activities that are going on in these, in the communities as we're reopening and and trying to find a balance between staying open and staying healthy. Uh, So, so I want everyone to be aware that, that children can be a part of this chain of transmission um, and so it's important for them to be participating in the, the types of um, risk reduction activities that are going on around us as we all seek to reduce the amount of transmission that are in our communities. The long-term outcome is something also that we're still looking at. Uh, children who are sick tend to get better quickly, um, but there's still a lot that we don't know about what a later effect might be. So uh, after children recover from an infection, uh, could there be uh, later effects uh, on their immune system or uh, later inflammatory processes that come into play? Um, The long-term outcomes in children and adults is still something that a lot of uh, research is being put into right now, but it's still, relatively speaking, very early in the pandemic as far as uh, that goes in, in terms of our ability to evaluate a long-term outcome. The next question we received is, do babies respond well to COVID-19? And what wisdom would you have for new parents during this pandemic? 
Yeah. And that's a fantastic question because we're, we're used to looking at babies as a very vulnerable population. These are uh, precious gifts from God that, that we as parents, new parents in particular, want to bend over backwards to protect and to take care of. Uh, and that paternal instinct, that maternal instinct that kicks in, um, uh, just the thought of being a brand new parent in the middle of a global pandemic is uh, anxiety inducing for sure. So um, I want to empathize with, with parents who are thinking through a lot of really difficult questions that I frankly didn't have to think through uh, when, when I had a newborn in the home. So I want to give some reassurance that uh, babies, even very young babies, two months and under I'm talking, tend to do very well with COVID-19. They can get infected. Uh, there are reports of babies that are infected even very, very close to the time of birth. There's still a lot of research that needs to go into that to kind of understand exactly when transmission occurs in that. Uh, can a mother hint, uh, transmit the infection to the child uh, in utero, or is it something that happens through the birth process or immediately afterwards through contact? Um, there's lots still to be determined with that. But one thing we do know is that young infants can get infected with COVID-19. Majority of them do very well. A majority of them do not need significant medical care. Some do, however. Uh, so as with anything, the statistics are meaningless if it's your child that's involved. So I can say that a majority of babies do very well, but not all. And so if your baby is one who is showing symptoms or is uh, acting in a way that, that might make you concerned that there could be an infection going on, definitely pay attention to that. Um, uh, babies can get very sick with this. And there have been a good amount of case reports and discussions uh, about babies uh, that, that do need some intensive medical care. Uh, to get through this. Overall, the vast majority of babies do not need that. So I, I do think, though, in thinking about how babies are typically thought of as a, as a vulnerable population, I think as a new parent, I would encourage all parents, but new parents in particular, to let that be kind of an object lesson in our mind that the baby could be at risk of getting COVID-19, could be at risk of a, a severe illness even, uh, and you want to protect that baby with every instinct that you have as a parent. And that's a God-given instinct that you, that you want to protect that baby. And so while I'm saying babies in particular are not at significantly increased risk, I would let this be a kind of an objective reminder to us that there are plenty of people in the community around you that are at significant risk, that are at increased risk of needing hospitalization, ventilization, that are even at increased risk of death. Uh, if you look at some certain subpopulations and age categories. And so the, that protective instinct that you have for your baby, I would encourage you to foster that for your entire community. And so that's why I think it's important for us all, no matter how you assess your own risk, for us all to be playing a part in our community health. And so that means all of us taking this seriously, all of us doing what we can to reduce the transmission in our community. We want to recognize that um, there's consequences all around on both sides of this equation. So there are prolonged and devastating consequences to complete lockdown and shutting down the community and economic and psychosocial fallout that happens there is, is tremendous. And so we, we don't ever want to uh, overlook that. But at the same time, on the other hand, there's tremendous uh, fallout and consequences in terms of lives lost and the health of uh, loved ones being affected. Uh, if, if we are flippant about this or just kind of not seeking to be a part of the solution, not seeking to be a part of reducing transmission in our community. So I just encourage everyone to keep vulnerable populations in their mind and, and look for ways to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Look for ways to 
limit the spread of infection in your community. And so those are relatively simple steps. It means stay home if you're sick. It means cover your nose and your mouth with the mask to protect others, not to protect yourself, but to protect others because you may be shedding it and not know. It means staying with some reasonable uh, distancing between others, avoiding close contact to try to limit the amount of transmission uh, that, that can happen. Um, and, it, and it just means washing your hands often, whether hand sanitizer or, or just good old-fashioned soap and water, doing little things that we can in our life uh, that allow us to get on with life in a way, that allow us to actually you know, be out in our communities and be participating and letting the kids go to school. The kids need to go to school. So be a part of reducing the amount of transmission in your community by doing these simple things like wearing a mask and maintaining social distancing so that at-risk populations can not get unnecessarily infected and so that the rest of society, all of society, can kind of go on and continue to flourish uh, as much as we can in the middle of all this um, by allowing businesses to stay open and allowing children to go to school and allowing parents to stay in work rather than having to figure out what to do with their child who's doing virtual school. So yeah, there's, there's hard decisions to make all across the board here. As a new parent, so going back to the baby part of the question, a, a new parent has an additional layer of difficult decisions and anxieties to make during the middle of all this. But uh, I just encourage us all to, to, to just trust in the Lord and uh, see that he has put us in this place to, to serve our community. We're here as a blessing to those around us. Uh, and so even in the middle of pandemic, God is good and he's given you a way to, to navigate through this in a way that glorifies him and loves your neighbor. The last question that our listeners sent in is, how does your faith intersect with your work? And that is a fantastic question. It's one that I love to answer. And it's not so much that my faith intersects with my work. It's that my faith is the foundation of my work. My identity, first and foremost, is in Jesus Christ. And so when I think about who I am and what I do, I don't think of myself as a doctor, first and foremost. I think of myself as a child of God, as someone who's been saved by grace uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, so my identity is in him and everything else uh, is just a beautiful gift encompassed within that that flows out of that. And so, you know, God has given me adoption and uh, redemption from my sins and he's given me a, a present that is growing in holiness through the work of his spirit. And he's given me a future to look forward to glory with him forever. And so the, the, the whole of my salvation, you know, one of those, I've, I've been saved, I'm being saved and I will be saved. That's the air that I breathe. That's why I do what I do, because I believe that. And I think a big part of that is that God has given me a vocation. So along with all those other gifts of sanctification and justification and all of that, he, he's also given me a vocation, which is a calling to be where he places me and to work for his glory and for the good of those who are around me in whatever situation he's placed me in. So it's one of those uh, grow where you're planted kind of scenarios. And I, I look at my vocation is being called to be a physician, being called to work with families. And so as a pediatrician, I have a really special gift of working directly with families during sometimes some pretty heavy and some pretty crisis situations uh, and just holding their hands and walking through the valley with them and just being a presence with them, uh, not just uh, medically as I hopefully cure their child and get them kind of on the road back to wellness, but also as I care for them spiritually and mentally emotionally during the course of all of that. So being a pediatrician is a, a unique aspect uh, to that vocation. But I think I just, I take a step back and I, and I look at my role as a physician. I see it as a shepherding role, a ministerial role, just in the sense that so much of my work is actually uh, connecting with people and helping meet their needs, right? So they come to me with issues, they come to me with medical problems, and, and I'm just in a position to be able to walk alongside them and minister to them as I treat them and 
I also look at it from, from just the scientific standpoint. And I, I think of uh, like a verse in Psalm 19, where we, we know very well that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Uh, and I fully believe that. I, th- I think this creation that God has given us testifies to his goodness, his majesty. And I, I want to know him better every single day of my life. And so I spend time in the word to get him to know him specifically, to get to know him as he reveals himself directly through, through the word. And then more specifically through Jesus Christ. Um, but I also look into just the general revelation around me. Uh, and I, I look to know him truly through that. And so while general revelation is different than a uh, specific revelation of scripture, uh, I, I value what I learn about God from that. And so if I can look up into the heavens and see that the heavens declare God's glory. So if, if I can look through a telescope and see God's glory outward, I think that also means that I can look through a microscope and go the reverse level. And instead of looking more expansive, I can look more microscopic and I can see God's glory under a microscope just as much as I can under a telescope. And so as a scientist, as a researcher, a lot of my work is uh, literally spent looking under microscopes. And I, I do that with a view towards God has placed me here to discover amazing things about who he is and what he has done in this creation. And so that, that involves uh, all, all sorts of things that intersect with the world of medicine and healthcare and developing, you know, uh, medications that can, that can help people. And so I, I see, I see God's glory in nature. And I view one of my, one of my roles as a scientist is to uh, study the truth of God as, as he has it out there ready for us to, to see. I do that with a decidedly Christian thought process uh, in, in which I'm thinking about who God is and why he's designed this thing that I'm looking at and why, why, he's, why he's designed all of this the way he has. That is a real joy for me. I do it hopefully not perfectly, but every day I'm trying to do it for the glory of God. As we close our time together, uh, I just want to encourage everyone as, as we think through this series, Christians and Healthcare, I just want to encourage us as, as Christians to view public health, to view the way that we interact with the healthcare system, uh, with individual healthcare providers, uh, and with our community in general as we think through public health and safety. Let's do that from a decidedly Christian viewpoint. Let's, let's have God's design in mind. Let's remember that each and every person that is out there uh, is not just a statistic. Uh, it's not just someone who may or may not have COVID-19. Every single person is made in God's image and bears the dignity and value that God has given to them. It's easy to get lost looking at graphs, uh, line graphs and, and, and bar graphs of COVID trends and, and things of that nature. And I just uh, encourage us as Christians, of all people as Christians, let's be the ones who don't get bogged down in numbers, but we remember uh, the lives that are involved here. And so I just encourage us all to be a part of the solutions that are going on around us as we seek to uh, just help our communities flourish. Our, our local health department here is using language that sounds very, very similar to love your neighbor. And, and I find that so much of the motivation behind the health messaging that's out there right now is uh, let's, as a community, let's take care of each other. Let's love one another. Let's love our neighbor. Let's do what we can to help protect other people and save lives. Think through the community aspect and, and loving one another aspect of this from every standpoint. That doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean that there are not massive hurdles and, again, consequences on both sides of every question that you ask. Um, but we, uh, we can represent God in the middle of all that. We can demonstrate his love, his grace, his patience, his kindness. Now, I just encourage you to represent Christ out there. Let him be glorified even in the midst of the chaos that we, we do see around us. 